Oh look, I know it's a cruel world and there's loads and loads to complain about, but also it's nice sometimes just to hear people enjoying Doctor Who, isn't it? Well, if it is, that's what this is. It's Happy Times and Places, with me, Toby Haydock, and a guest choosing our favourite things about a Doctor Who story. Midway sending now, Godborough receiving now. Yes, hello everybody. I, uh, Toby, hi. I am Jay Butler-Moore and I'm a local government minion in my working life and um, a songwriter and I'm on YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff and I'm in a band called Dirge. But I'm here to talk about my seven favourite things uh, about the seeds of death. Fly me to the moon. Actually, don't. It's full of ice warriors because it's episode two of The Seeds of Death. Uh, and myself and Jay are going to watch it. Then Jay will highlight a favourite thing. And then uh, I will see if the thing I have highlighted is the same. So I want you to press play in three, two, one. You, you might not be able to quite sync with me because I think my DVD player burped or something happened or... Anyway, um, so this is quite a, an, an unusual experience for me because I I had this on edited together videotape. So I'd actually not seen uh, that close-up of Slar because they don't have that final shot in the, the video. Uh this is this is Jay's favorite thing from episode one or first favorite thing and it's this um, very strange uh, music but I, I do like this uh, this opening because again another thing you didn't know from having the VHS that was all edited together is that you have this sort of model sequence um, of earth and the moon uh, and it sort of starts off on you know highlighting whichever one the action is on i think i think it's different depending on on where we start the action uh kill him dum 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 and i think i think episode 2 cuts in here where lock falls and suddenly the quality gets actually pretty much like this the quality of episode 2 on the vhs is absolutely marvelous and uh, 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 Phipps has a very lucky escape there. Um, uh, and Martin Court, bless him, uh, gets an episode fee for uh, falling over again and being dead on the floor. Uh, there's a few actors who have that where they get to just uh, uh, come and reenact their death from the cliffhanger in the Troutnera. Bernard Holly does it in uh, Tomb of the Cybermen. And Nick Zaran does it as... Lieutenant Sorber, Lieutenant Sorber in, uh, is it Lieutenant Sorber? I can't remember in the, in the, I don't know if they do the American pronunciation, in the Space Pirates. That's for when I do the Space Pirates. Um, look at Terry Scully being craven. And yeah, Martin Court uh, at least gets a close-up in death. Um, uh, so, yes, so uh, I bought this from John Fitton Books and Magazines. I ordered it. And you sent off for it. You wrote a check. Uh, and then you waited, I think, a while. I think it took a while for stuff to come. But John Fitton Books and Magazines uh, was uh, uh, it was advertised in, in Doctor Who magazine. Um, uh, and 
I, yeah, pretty sure it was. I, I saved up pretty much everything that I had because the idea that you would own six episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, and, and, but even then, you own six episodes of Doctor Who that somebody thought, well, to make it more accessible, what we'll do is we'll chop the episode endings and beginnings off and edit it to, into a movie because we don't want people to think it was a serial. What, what would they do when the episode ends? Well, they, they might switch off, not realising that there's more or whatever. But that sort of butchery. But um, at least with this, they, they kept all of the action because I know Pyramids of Mars is missing is is missing various scenes they decided to trim it down a little bit and brain of morbius they released the uh you know the the, the 50 minute version oh, so I, I certainly didn't buy that in fact i don't think i've ever seen the 50 minute version uh, um so so they so that they they now we've got this subplot about well it's interesting about about the rockets and and it's it's this kind of yeah don't uh, don't trust new technology go with the old stuff um, or or it's useful to have a backup plan which I think is not the most revolutionary of ideas I I I think I I think perhaps the yeah the government have been fairly short sighted uh, going let's 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 just let's just put put everything into uh, into TMAT um, but when I did the intro to this I said you know the, go to the moon oh no the 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 ice warriors there this is essentially a bit a bit like this is the moon base with ice warriors isn't it essentially and of course the ice warriors were not at this point a classic monster they've only been there once and they're called ice warriors because they're found in the ice but it's a good job this wasn't their first story otherwise presumably they'd be called moon warriors uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, if their first story is the curse of Peladon, they'd be called um, nice warriors, <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> the monster of Peladon they'd be called not nice anymore warriors. Um, um, Commander Rador, I wonder why they said we need a man with a blocked-up nose voice for the computer, uh, which suddenly changes. Uh, it's uh, 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 the goes down an octave or whatever. It's uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, yes. Uh, in in the moon base, um, I can't get over Ronald Lee Hunt's really baggy outfit <laughs> with and it's e <laughs> with its quite high belt and its power. I mean, it's Bobby Bartlett, who's a wonderfully monikered costume designer, uh, who does a, a, a nice job um, uh, with the with the Ice Lord, which I know uh, the television companion um, points out uh, is is never said on screen because they say it for every single. It's not the television companion; it's the handbooks. The how uh, Stammers and Walker have done some brilliant. Uh, history research for Doctor Who, but they do love the fact that the Ice Lord is never referred to on screen as the Ice Lord because in its popular myths, it's a popular Slar is an Ice Lord. He's not called an Ice Lord on screen. Is Lear is an Ice? I think they do it for every single one. It's like we we've made this, we know this fact, and we're going to really emphasise it because we're really proud of the fact that we've discovered it. Now the Ice Warriors, I think at this stage, are Steve Peters. I left you on a cliffhanger, didn't I? Steve Peters and Tony Harwood uh, and Steve Peters 
uh, is also in one of the ambassadors of death uh, and so you see him because he's also the actors who play the ambassadors also play the, the missing astronauts when they get a scene in uh, uh, in the later episode five or six isn't it on when the, the doctor visits them on Mars but Steve Peters we we could never find you try finding somebody called Steve Peters they're not exactly um, uh, Google wax are they uh, his real name was actually Peter Stevens and Peter Stevens plays uh, Cyril in uh, the Celestial Toymaker and uh, Lolam in the Underwater Menace so he's got the same name as another Doctor Who actor um but anyway, he died in 1994. Did uh, Peter Darcy Stevens. Um, this is the best example of hiding in plain sight there's ever been. In, I mean, <laughs> bless him, he does his best there, Christopher Cole. He goes, well, if I just bend my head. It actually reminds me a bit of sometimes. My, my partner is a, is, a, is a wheelchair user. And sometimes when she needs to get out of a tram, for example... Um, and people are standing in front of the tram doors she sort of needs them to move out of the way so she can get out of the tram doors and you see people just sort of do that and you're like your body is still blocking the door because just because you've moved your head back a bit it doesn't mean you've been any value whatsoever uh, and, uh, but it's like they go well I'm, I'm sort of making an effort I'm showing that I've occasionally had to go can you just get out of the way <laughs> um, but poor old Christopher Cole lovely Christopher Cole recently departed um uh uh does a great job that but i mean he's standing he's not even behind the cupboard especially when the ice warrior gets to the middle and does a 360 degree turn so that i i'm afraid is a is a is a pretty naff moment and, I, and one wonders why they didn't you know pull the cabinet out and uh, and have him duck behind it or something like that instead of doing that yeah i'll just i'll just do that that'll make me invisible um which s suggests that the ice warriors um whatever whatever's on the uh, on on their glasses uh, it's it's frosted up on the moon um now one of this i like these two extras behind um as the technicians because one of them's sort of short oh no there's a few of them there's pat gorman right at the back early gorman uh, pat gorman the Where's Wally of Doctor Who, uh, a, a legendary uh, walk-on, extra, sometimes credited actor, uh, and of great value to British television uh, for over 30 years, and particularly to Doctor Who. But he's in everything, Pat Gorman. And one day I want to make a documentary about him because, uh, and I tried desperately to uh, to interview him, but, uh, and, and, and when I... Uh, was was staying with a friend after my marriage had broken down i actually ended up as i think i might have said this so i'll be real i i ended up living literally 10 minutes away from him but never got never got a chance to interview him uh i got him to sign a couple of things for me through the post but he never he never responded to requests for interviews and i, I after he died i spoke to his daughter uh and she just said she, she thought he was a bit shy and uh so the only interview we've got is on i was a doctor who monster which is a uh, a, a short showed before uh, the repeat of uh, Planet of the Daleks uh, in 1993. Uh, and I tried to find the rushes for that, see if we got the whole thing. And they'd pretty much got all of them except his, I think, uh, from the various people I asked. Um, but the, the, the two that go up to the moon, there's a short and fat one and there's a tall and thin one. The tall and thin one is Royston Farrell, who's... Uh, uh, and uh, who, who's, a, who's an extra but also he was a bit of a stunt man he could do judo um and he's got the line boom or bang in uh, 
the Claws of Axos, which I think is his only credit in Doctor Who as technician. Uh, he's a technician in this, but he doesn't get a credit because he doesn't say, doesn't even say bang. Um, is this interesting? Oh, my God. Um, uh, oh, Royston Farrell also gets killed in the arc. He gets killed. Well, maybe we, maybe I'll do a Royston Farrell omitter as well as the uh, the 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 Gorman ping uh, <laughs> as as we go through all of these episodes. Uh, it's a brilliant mask uh, and brilliant makeup and I, I, I love this there's photos of uh, of behind the scenes of this where where Alan Bennion is having his uh, makeup applied and he's still in a shirt and tie nowadays if you went in to have you know a big monster makeup applied you'd just have a t-shirt I mean I haven't even dressed up for this well, I'm ready for bed I thought I'd get a couple of episodes in before bed uh, and uh, but I, I love the fact that in those days no you're gonna get makeup on you, you still wear a, a nice shirt and tie which probably got absolutely knackered and covered in gunk but uh, no no you still wear a tie because the newspapers were there taking a photo so maybe it was well, it was a photo shoot so representing the bbc you gotta have a tie on uh i i don't think the world is a better place because people don't wear ties uh for professional acting jobs uh even rehearsals anymore i i don't i don't think uh, that the, the the loss of them has improved uh, has improved our lives any um this is all interesting stuff that you know because the, the the you know if you actually if you saw this on on the script it's technical baffle gab um no, oh that's right because i'm i'm trying to listen out for a voice because i know that michael wisher is a voice in uh, an uncredited voice there's pat gorman nice high shot uh uh, is an uncredited voice in this, uh, but I, I'm not sure I've pinpointed where. Um, it's that's going to be impossible to do when I'm talking at the same time. But yes, it's it's as well as the legendary Pat Gorman, the legendary and the not so legendary, but I like him anyway, Royston Farrell, uh, the legendary uh, Michael Wisher makes his Doctor Who debut uh, before getting seen on screen for Michael Ferguson again in the Ambassadors of death um that's a nice little model rocket and stuff this is all good stuff um I, I i love seeing these these three are a good gang aren't they although they haven't actually done an awful lot um i like the little chat they had where they decided to help out uh and they look they just look brilliant together um when did zoe get changed oh i liked her old costume um but all of Zoe's costumes are pretty good. Um, uh, so, oh yes, and Alan Bennion as Slar. He lived in Brighton for many, many, many years. He wasn't too keen on being interviewed either. I think he'd done one for Doctor Who magazine and he did an interview for the first DVD of this, uh, but needed some persuading and thereafter wasn't wasn't that interested in doing anything else. We tried to get him for the Peladon ones. Um, uh, and about three people I know who live in Brighton and knew where and would see him around said oh yeah I'll I'll get you his autograph at some point and none of them ever did so um there we go all I I give people I like to think I help people out and uh and uh, I was on a promise with autograph de Benion and I d didn't get it um 
so I never had the pleasure, sadly, which is a shame because and and his acting career outside of Doctor Who was okay but relatively modest. Um, and yet in Doctor Who he is the only Ice Lords. They're not actually called Ice Lords. Uh, <laughs> that's that does amuse me though. Well, you've got a fact. Um, uh, and I'm t- and I I I. I I love, uh, I don't know uh, Stephen James Walker and Mark Stammers, but I like their work. Uh, but I do know David Howe, and he's a lovely, lovely fellow. But I'm just amused every time that pops up uh, as a, it's not actually an Ice Lord, you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Ferguson even makes that, the sort of rocket takeoffy stuff that on the script, you know, is, is yeah, technical jargon, uh, actually quite interesting. Um, it's the editing in this is quite choppy and funny though and I think that's maybe because uh, you know it's it's not all as continuous as uh, as uh, as it as it might have been uh, or or, or it usually was I might just be imagining that but it it does seem a slightly choppy choppier program than 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 some of the ones that have the more sort of continuous flow that we're used to um because he's mixing things up with model shots or uh and they 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 they're sort of trying with the anti-grav thing aren't they they're doing as you know it's i mean it's a hard thing to ask actors to do and it never looks quite right because you can't quite fake it i don't know why um oh i love i love this i think there's a fault he says and doesn't it cut back and it's like there's loads of smoke <laughs> that's a brilliantly doctor who thing i sort of go i'm not i'm not sure if this smoke. i i i love it when future technology is a bit a, a bit clunky and knackered but that's a very doctor who thing and, a, and an antidote to the sort of slick futuristic nature of you know more expensive frankly shows or american shows or whatever um and if you like i don't want to be too lofty you know it uh you know what one of the reasons alien was such a breakthrough was because actually the spaceship was just a place that people worked and dressed in their normal clothes it wasn't a place where people wore silver and had spangly hats and everything was sort of glossy and and brilliant everything sort of greasy and breaks and all of that sort of thing and uh, i i i i like it that in doctor who the technology sometimes has smoke pouring out of it or bits fall off it um because that's what you know that's what this this house that i'm in now we 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 had quite a big part of it um had a load of work on so you get a new kitchen and you get a new and and for about 10 minutes you go oh yeah this you know i'm going to make sure this house is okay because there's there's new plaster there's no cracks in anything oh this door you know and and within you know within a year you go that door always sticks and oh that's got a chip on it and 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 that tap tap doesn't quite work properly and that nothing ever nothing ever stays perfect uh (laughs) and uh, why wouldn't that be the case with a spaceship as well Yeah, you tell him, Gia Kelly. My mum was always quite amused by Gia Kelly because she she thought she was. She had like, I shall have to go above your head. Uh, oh yeah, it's this bit. Yeah, I remember my mum finding that really really funny. Um, now my mum didn't necessarily sit and watch with me, but I would do a thing where I'd have Doctor Who in the video, uh, and then if people came into the room, I'd oh, I heard them coming. I'd press play. And, and I'd, you know, I'd, I don't know what I imagine they do, but they walk in and go, my God, Toby, you're right. Doctor Who's amazing. 
Um, and I remember my sister had a boyfriend and I I have a sort of whatever it is I'm not going to label it whatever it is uh, I, I mean just, I have a stupidity let's call it that where I, I say things out loud when I'm left to my own devices and I remember we were on holiday and I was sort of chumped along and I, I sort of went God I did the end of episode one I was sort of like God kill him and, and my sister's boyfriend over me went what what are you doing and I went Oh, I'm 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 just doing an episode ending to a doctor, and he went, and he was a bit of a hippie. He went, oh, that's cool, man. I like the fact that I like the fact that it excites your imagination so much. Uh, and so then when we got back, when he said, "Can you show me that bit?" and he went, and he went, he went, yeah, yeah, that's you did it, man. Yeah, that's what you did. <laughs> so I like the fact that because I've got older brothers and sisters, they would have all mocked, you know, they'd all found that ridiculous because it is pretty ridiculous. Um, but he came at it from a different angle. It was just like, no, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Go for it. So. Um, Right, uh, Fusham's story does not hold water because he says Osgood killed Locke, whereas Locke, the first thing Locke says is Osgood is dead. So she's not she's not Mrs. Columbo, uh, Miss Kelly. Uh, and nobody gives a monkeys about Harvey, uh, <laughs> which is uh, so. Yeah, the one the one on the higher level uh, is is Royston Farrell. He was, yeah, he could do karate um, or martial arts anyway. I don't know. What, I don't, kung fu, I don't know. Um, uh, and he's, I did a who's round with him. He wasn't really a member of Havoc, but he was a sort of stuntman extra. Look at that. That's a great shot. And you've got real depth to what's what's going on. Uh, oh, and the other Ice Warrior, along with Steve Peters, is Tony Harwood, who... IMDb killed off for 2005 and then somebody contacted me and Tony Harwood is in loads he was one of the original Ice Warriors as well uh he's also the Ice Warrior in episode 10 of the War Games uh he's in the Ambassadors of Death but in a speaking part uh he's also Yeti uh and uh and then somebody on Facebook got in touch and said my uncle my, my great uncle was an actor in Doc 2. His, his name was Tony Hargreaves, but I think he worked under a different name. And we worked out it was Tony Harwood. And so then lots of really helpful people. And I went, oh, that's really interesting. Um, uh, and he said, I think he's still alive and blah, 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 blah. And so then lots of helpful people went on and said, uh, Toby, I think you'll find that he died in 2005. I go, that's because it says that on IMDb. Uh, and IMDb say that he's died because somebody called Tony Harwood did Anthony Harwood did die in 2005 and that was enough for whoever updated uh IMDB to go because Tony and Harwood are really uncommon names so it's likely to be him um which threw us all off the scent because there was a time when I believed everything IMDB had to say and actually uh I've had cause to I, I thought this year I thought I'd renew my look for Tony Harwood and I went back to my messages with that guy and the last message I'd got for him was that Tony Harwood was alive and in in a certain part of the country in 2015 and I think something must have happened to me because I I didn't really follow that up and I know I messaged the guy a couple of times and never heard back from him um but I thought well I should I've got enough information I've got the part of the country and I've got the fact that his name was Tony Hargreaves so uh, with with a couple of other well with R Richard Bignall's help um we did a we did a oh let's 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 see if we, we can find him and Richard found a picture uh, and 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 went, I think this is the guy and uh, and we emailed the business uh that Tony Hargreaves had 
and he died in December last year. Uh, and so he was always hiding in plain sight. We could have found him. And he did so, so many Doctor Who's in the 60s. And there's our, you know, he's the, you know, one of the original Ice Warriors, one of the original Yeti. Uh, uh, now, it may have been that we got in touch with him and he wasn't interested in being interviewed. But when you th you sort of think, oh, the people we can't find, they're nowhere. Do you know what I mean? They must be long dead or they, they must not be interested. But actually, not everybody who is in Doctor Who knows that Doctor Who is out on DVD. And we tried Equity, we tried the BBC. So actually, he's probably got loads of unclaimed royalties. Um, I don't know if that was him or Steve Peters who just got uh, turned into a blob. But I love the... Uh, I love the negative effect, the quick cutting. That's very Michael Ferguson, the quick cutting, the different angles. And that's a great piece of plot that uh, Phipps, who I love little Phipps's subplot, where he's hiding in plain sight and then melting ice warriors and being very sweet. I, he's got such a nice quality, uh, Christopher Cull. Uh, uh, and he melts the ice warrior and whatever he does because he's he's tripped the switch or he's, he's, he's unplugged something uh, means that they've lost the signal. Uh, and it means that the closing titles go at a hell of a lick. They they really need to slow that. Uh, that's like titles today, but at least they're a decent size. But they're flying past. Uh, perhaps it's because they're in space and they've got zero gravity and they go... Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, Tony Harwood and Steve Peters. So, yeah, Tony Harwood, bless him. We, uh, we, we could have had some interesting anecdotes from him. Um, now, I have to, you know... I have to counter that by saying there are sadder reasons for somebody being dead. There are somebody being dead is sad for m many more reasons than the fact that I didn't get to interview them about Doctor Who. But I nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I'd been a bit. I wish I'd picked up that thread, uh, and just done the little bit of extra investigating, or maybe even just spoken to Richard because he's very good at. Um, picking up leads that have gone a bit dry for me which is actually what he did because because when we came to do it this time around I told him what I knew and very quickly he came back with all of that and we got a message from yeah Tony's son saying he you know he died last year and then did a little bit of extra research and actually in December so not that long ago and you go ah um but again I'm sure that's not what his family were thinking when he passed away oh if, if only dad had put his remembrances of Doctor Who on record but there we go. Um, that's that's my thing and that's my preoccupation. So there we go. Um, but interestingly, um, well, no, I'm, I'll save that. Uh, interestingly, Klaxon might not be interesting at all. What does Joe, oh, what do I like about episode two? I like. <laughs> oh, what do I... Well, I do like the Melty Melty Ice Warrior. I mean, I'm still adoring Michael Ferguson's direction, which I think is is probably the thing's strongest suit, really. Um, I do like Terry Scully and, and Fusion's little story. Uh, I, I, like, I like the Knackered Rocket. I I think I like little Phipps hiding in his room, melting ice warriors, uh, <laughs> because because I like Christopher Cole and uh, yeah I like I like Phipps's little story that he has and I get very upset later 
for reasons I will explain. Anyway, what's Jay going to choose? Um, there's uh, also my second favourite theme is in episode two um, is, of course, Miss Kelly. Um, you've got to love Miss Kelly. She's such a posh kind of genius. Um, she's really clever and brave. And she's, like I suppose, a sign that the, the writers were introducing women who were sort of in charge of stuff and were clever and technical um although she is the only woman on planet earth um so yeah i love her in this episode particularly when they're getting ready for the rocket launch and like the numbers are on her face i mean i don't know what um countdown apparatus this is that actually projects numbers onto your face but uh, there you go uh yeah i go for miss kelly uh i i think uh I, I she her costume also looks like it's the sort of hide of a of a of a of an ice rod. In the same way that Eldred's looks like it's been sort of taken from the same sort of ridged mould. Miss Kelly looks like does look like a sort of fetish armadillo, doesn't she? She looks like a yeah, she looks like an she looks she looks like something that's been uh, taken off a, a, a kinky armadillo gimp. Um but uh she's she rocks, she's got brilliant hair and I, I I like the way she tells Radner off and uh, pinched Englishness that so amused my mother. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, it's 2 nil to Jay, so I think uh, uh, I'm probably going to lose this one, as I do pretty much every single one. But I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm sort of surprised how little the TARDIS crew are, have sort of impacted this, the story so far. They're great, and I love them, and they look brilliant together. But... Uh, uh, it's it's interesting how the 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 bulk of the action is is uh, is 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 sort of you know Fusion trying to save his own skin on the moon and uh, uh, Radner, uh, Miss Kelly and Eldred arguing on Earth. <laughs> I, I love the fact that Radner and Eldred spent most of it going rockets, T-Mat, rockets, T-Mat. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm enjoying the seeds of death, but. Uh, uh, I'm going to go to bed now uh, because it's either that or drift on endlessly in my living room and uh, I'm I'm getting a bit tired. So uh, let's all reconvene for episode three some other time. Uh, But I will endeavour to read the credits at a a slightly slower pace than the ones that flew past the screen. Uh, Thanks ever so much for listening. I hope wherever you are, you are very well and uh, I'll speak to you very, very soon. Ta-ta for now. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest this time around is Jay Butler-Moore. I would very much like to thank the patrons of this podcast, who include Ruben Herfindahl, Rob Leonard, Richard Straw, Peter Harness, Stephen Moffat, Nick Temple, Nick Tedston, Neil Tate, Len Stewart, Keith Say, Matt Sawyer, John Rivers, Dylan Reese, Jonathan Potter, Keith Pirry, Melvin Pena, Matthew Newton, Nathan Moore, Stuart Mitchell, Rosser McPhillips, John McClay, David Matthewman, Gavin McLean, James Lark, Guy Lambert, Clive Lewis, Andrew Jordan, Jessica Jones, Dave Hoskin, Lisa C. Greco, James Gould, Ian Gillespie, Gary Gillett, Mark Dakin, John Curley and Richard Chalk. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson.
Right, it's the post-credits bit. In Marvel, you get an exciting taster for the new film, perhaps with an exciting, famous actor doing something exciting. And this isn't exciting. It's a plug from a patron page. But imagine Benicio Tel Toro's doing it or something. Uh, and he would very much like you to go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke where you can subscribe monthly from as little as £3 a month. There's a 10% discount on top of that if you sign up for a year for early material, exclusive releases and all sorts of interaction. There's also a one-off option at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Well, look, I know everyone's a bit broke because of the plague. Uh, and so look, I'm just grateful to you for listening. Uh, but if you could spread the word tell your friends and perhaps go to the various podcast outlets online and give these releases five stars and perhaps positive reviews as well. Any positivity out there online really helps to improve my algorithms and get word out there that it might be worth people spending their time listening to this stuff. And that would just be great. And as I say, cost you nothing by a few seconds of your time. Thanks ever so much. And I'll speak to you next time. (laughs) 